Well, again, good morning, and we're so glad that you are worshiping with us wherever you're at. If you're here in the worship center, all of you over in the chapel, all of you at our Minnetonka campus, and anyone who's watching online, welcome, welcome. We're so glad that you are here. So before Jesus ascended into heaven, it was after Easter, he had some words for his disciples. He gave them what we call the Great Commission. This comes in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. He specifically says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Now, we often talk about people's last words, and these are some of the last words that Jesus shares, so we know they are super important. And the thing about this commission is that it was not only for his 12 disciples, it's really for anyone who decides to follow him. You see, if you read through the Gospels and you read into the New Testament, you find that there is no such thing as a follower of Jesus who is not committed to Jesus's mission. It's just not an option. It's, it's a key part of following him, that we would follow his example, that we would engage in his mission to reach people around the world. But you know, what Christians have done over time is to outsource the mission in many ways. You know, we raise up and we support missionaries and we send them out to share the gospel, whether it's around the world or even in our own communities. And this is a great thing. It's great that there are people who are called to go engage in this important ministry to share the good news of Jesus. But what often happens in churches is we find these people, we support them, we send them out, we celebrate them, we pray for them, and then we figure, all right, we can do our thing, they can do theirs. And the thing is, even though some people are called to be missionaries for a vocation, it doesn't free up the rest of us to not engage in Jesus's mission. Every single one of us, if we decide to follow Jesus, is called to live on mission wherever we go. It means every one of us is supposed to be a missionary. And it doesn't mean you need to buy a plane ticket. And it doesn't mean you need to have an updated passport. It just means wherever God calls you to be, you are a part of Jesus's mission. Now, Calvary has had the same mission statement for many years now. It's, it's clear, it's to the point, and it goes like this. Hopefully you've heard it before. Calvary's mission is leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. This is our purpose. This is what we're about. This is our mission. But the thing about our mission is, not, is that it is not just reserved for the pastors. And it's not just reserved for our church staff. It's not just for our most committed volunteers. Now, this is a mission that applies to anyone here who follows Jesus and considers Calvary to be their church home. And in fact, when we talk about being successful as a church, one of our marks of success is that when people take the mission and they make it personal, when it stops being something they do or that church does, and instead they talk about it as, this is something that I do in my own life. The way we talk about it is mission ownership. 
when people take the mission and they start to own it as their own. You see, as a Jesus follower, it's not acceptable to just know about the mission. No, instead, we want every single person to live on mission. We need to keep raising the bar if we want to make a difference in our community and in our world, if we want to see more and more people come to faith. We can't leave it up to other people. We have to engage in the mission that Jesus gave us. And so we're starting this new series today called Share. And what the series is about is we want to help you discover your part in Jesus's mission. Now, during the series, some of you might discover that your mission is specifically to your own neighborhood or to your apartment building or your condo building. And there's others of you that might discover that your mission is specifically to your workplace or to the school that you attend. And others might find that your mission is closely connected to a particular cause or ministry that you feel passionate about. And others of you, you might discover that your mission is actually to uproot and to move somewhere else in the world to share the gospel with a different people group. But no matter who you are, no matter what your story is, if you are a follower of Jesus, your job is to engage in Jesus's mission. But I think one of the hardest things for us as we think about this is getting around to the how. Because I think many of us, probably all of us, have had encounters with people who maybe have good hearts, maybe they're, they're trying to do the right thing, but they are super awkward and cringy as they try to share the gospel. Have you ever encountered this before? Like the people that come up with like a really badly printed brochure and they try to force you to take it and you see that everybody just kind of throws them in the street and just causes a bunch of litter. Or maybe you've encountered the people that they bring like a little step stool and they get up and they yell at everybody on the street. The, the church that I served before coming here was in a smaller town and there was a church in town that this was their method of evangelism. They would go downtown to where all the people were, they'd get up on a little stool and they would just start yelling. And it wasn't even nice stuff. Like they would basically just tell everybody they were going to hell. And it became a huge barrier for the rest of the churches in town because we would have to specifically tell people, yeah, we're not like that church. We're, we're a nicer, more friendly church than that. We, we promise we won't yell at you if you come visit. But then personally, I've been through countless evangelism classes. I have a passion for evangelism. And so I've attended these classes and some of them, it's all about, you know, memorize these bullet points and then go share them with someone or, or another one where it was, you know, if you could just argue people enough, you could just somehow argue them into the kingdom. There was another one I took where we just started going door to door and we went door to door in Hudson, Wisconsin. And it's definitely not my favorite thing to do. I remember going up to one gentleman's house and he turned it around on us and said, how would you like it if I came to your house? And I was thinking, I wouldn't like that too much unless you're selling Girl Scout cookies, then you can come to my house. But you know, I think there are so many ways that we sometimes try to engage in mission that just aren't 
helpful. And in fact, one of the biggest problems with many of these approaches is that it turns the other person into a project or a product. It's like, we have to do this to them and get this result or it's not successful. And oftentimes what we do is we end up giving information or making arguments or addressing things that they're not even wondering about. It's not even on their mind. But then for many of us, we also have some fear around this idea of engaging in Jesus's mission. I mean, what do we even say? What do we even do? What does it really mean to live on mission? And so we just kind of end up keeping the good news to ourselves. And maybe another big problem is that we tend to overcomplicate things. We tend to make it way too mechanical and we lose Jesus's example. So I think we need a new paradigm. And so I'm excited about this series because we're going to talk about how to live a missional life where it's an actual lifestyle. It's not a script. It's not just a checklist. And we're going to focus on building relationships instead of just treating people like a project. Now, I read a fascinating study or read about a fascinating study that was included in a doctoral dissertation. Now, typically, doctoral dissertations are not that interesting, but this one was fascinating. And it's a, it was based on a study that was entitled Blessers versus Converters. And it was based on two different teams of missionaries that were sent to Thailand quite a few years ago. And these two teams had very different strategies on how they were to accomplish the same goal. They were going to share Jesus with some people who had not encountered him. But the first team, the converters, they went with the sole intention of converting people, evangelizing them. That's what they were all about. The second team, the blessers, they went with the intention of first and foremost, simply blessing people. They went with questions where they would say, or with um, idea of going and saying, I'm just here to bless whoever God puts in my path, or I'm going to be a blessing to the community that I live in, in whatever way that I can. And so the study followed these teams for a number of years, and they discovered some amazing things. First of all, they discovered that the blessing team had greater social impact than the converting team. The blessing team's main focus of blessing the people and the community around them resulted in amazing amounts of social improvement and social good. It's not too surprising, right? That makes sense. But secondly, this was surprising. The study also discovered that the team of blessers had almost 50 times as many conversions as the converters did. The blessers helped 50 times more people find a saving and growing relationship with Jesus than the team that was solely focused on converting people. And so in this series that we're kicking off today, we're going to learn to live missionally. And I think as we do, something that is essential to keep in mind is this truth. The best way to accomplish Jesus's mission is to focus on blessing others. All right, we're going to cover a lot of things in this series, but keep this at the forefront. The best way to accomplish Jesus's mission is to focus 
on blessing others. Now, this shouldn't be surprising to us because from the very beginning, the very first pages of the Bible, God's preferred way of changing the world has been through blessing people. In Genesis chapter 12, God says this to Abraham, I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So God did bless Abraham in some amazing ways. He was blessed relationally in his family and surrounding friendships. He was blessed financially. He was an amazingly blessed person of livestock and farming and the the measures of wealth in his time. He was blessed spiritually. He had a close dynamic relationship with God. But the point of all of his blessings was not that he would hoard them for himself. No, the point of his blessing would be that all who followed after him would also be blessed. Now, this is, again, is an essential truth for this series, and it's really essential for anyone who wants to follow Jesus. If you don't get this, and if you don't internalize this, you'll never truly discover your purpose in life. If you don't embrace this idea, you're going to find yourself always searching for something more. You see, every good thing that you have been given, every blessing that God has bestowed on you has to be filtered through this lens. You are blessed to be a blessing to others. That is why God gives us blessings. You are blessed to be a blessing to others. Now, time out for a moment, because I think in our culture today, we tend to pretty much always equate blessing with finances. Like we say, okay, I feel blessed when my portfolio is growing, when I have money in the bank. And we need to remember that God's blessings are so much bigger and more expansive than that. And so even those times when we maybe feel like we're living a little bit lean, we can still recognize the amazing blessings that God has brought into our lives. God loves to bless us, but it's so we can bless others. And this is how we will best accomplish Jesus's mission. It's how we will best live out his purpose for us. So what does it look like to bless people? How are we best a blessing to others in our everyday life? Well, one answer to those questions is five missional practices that we're going to look at in this series. And all of these practices were key in how Jesus himself blessed the people around him, how he befriended people and changed their lives. And these five practices make up the very appropriately titled acronym, BLESS. So each week we're going to take one letter out of the word BLESS. So the B stands for begin with prayer. The L stands for listen. The E stands for eat. 
The S stands for serve, and then the last S stands for share your story. You don't need to remember those now, but that's where we're going in the coming weeks. But today, our first missional practice is to begin with prayer. Now, this series is closely based on a book also called Bless by Dave and John Ferguson, who are pastors in Chicago area. Now, anytime we do a practical series like this, where there's some very clear action steps, I think our tendency sometimes is to think, well, how can I very quickly, efficiently check those things off the list? Like, I'm just going to do them, check them off, and move on to the next thing. And I want to encourage you not to think in that way. To instead, think about how to integrate these practices into your everyday life. They're not something to just check off the list. They're something to be lived out each and every day as we seek to live out Jesus's mission, as we seek to be missionaries wherever God calls us to be. So again, the first missional practice is begin with prayer. And you might be thinking, that's it? Like, that's the most obvious thing ever. It's the one of the most churchy things ever. Could you be any more predictable? But as much as we might think about and know about prayer, we're often not as in- intentional with it as we could be. Beginning with prayer means intentionally getting out of the driver's seat. It means letting God take his rightful place. It means making ourselves available to whatever he wants to do in and through us, letting him take care of all of the details. Now, I have a friend who travels very often for work, and he has countless incredible faith encounters. Like, it's just amazing to hear him tell these stories about he's sitting down on the airplane, and in a few minutes, he starts like this deep faith conversation with the person next to him. Somebody's having a midlife crisis, and he gets to pray for them, or someone who was just diagnosed with a terminal illness, and he gets to talk about eternity and the hope we have in Jesus. And so I asked him one time, How are you able to have these incredible encounters? You know, how do you have so many opportunities to share your faith? And he 100% attributes it to a simple prayer that he prays every day. He just says, God, make me available to anyone you want to bless through me. God, make me available to anyone you want to bless through me. He makes it clear that every day he's open and he's willing to do whatever God calls him to do. He doesn't have a preconceived agenda. He doesn't have some sermon that he has to preach or a a tract that he has to hand out. No, he's just open to what God wants to do. Whatever doors he wants to open, he doesn't have to force it. He doesn't have to stress out over it. It's just about being open. Now, the thing is, Jesus modeled this all the time. It's how Jesus began his day. It's how he began his ministry. In the gospel of Luke chapter four, it says this, then Jesus being filled with the Holy Spirit returned from Jordan and then was led by the spirit into the wilderness. And he went into the wilderness to confront Satan and to spend time in prayer with God to be guided and to be commissioned for his coming ministry. And prayer became the foundation of all that he did. It was the key component 
of his mission on earth. If we fast forward just two chapters to Luke 6, it says one of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them who he also designated apostles. And then we get the list of all 12 disciples' names. Now, if it were up to me, I know I would at least have been tempted to skip the prayer part if I was choosing my disciples. I mean, I think I would want to see all their resumes first, right? What's your GPA? How did you do on the ACTs? Could you submit a video of your preaching and teaching? Like, we want to make sure that you're the right fit. You go around and ask people, who are the most respected leaders? Who are the most talented leaders in our area But Jesus doesn't do the most logical and the most practical thing. No, he chooses prayer instead. And Jesus believed that prayer was the very best way to launch his mission to bless the earth. Now, many of you, if you're honest right now, are wondering why would Jesus even have to pray? I mean, wasn't he God? Well, even though Jesus was God in the flesh, To become human meant he took on human limitations. The Bible says he knows what it's like to be us. He knows what we face each and every day. He experienced life like we do. And so Jesus too had to depend on God the Father. And he looked to God for direction and wisdom, just like we need to do. But not only that, Jesus lived in a way that is meant to be an example or a model for us. And what we see again and again is that Jesus made prayer the foundation of all that he did. And I think it's so interesting to note that after taking that time to pray through the night, the guys that Jesus ended up picking to be his disciples were definitely not the A squad. They ended up being common fishermen, corrupt tax collectors, violent revolutionaries. Most of them were nobodies in the eyes of the community. They were not remarkable at all. In fact, we know that all of them had been sent home from their temple education. As soon as the rabbis saw no more potential in you, you were sent home to practice the family trade. And all of them had gone through that. And yet Jesus made it a point to begin with prayer and then to trust in God's plan. And I think that should give us such great comfort and encouragement that God can and will accomplish his mission through the most unlikely people, people just like us. Now, there are tons of impressive stories that I could tell you about people who are willing to pray first and then are led by God to bless people in amazing ways But I don't think many of you need convincing of that, that those stories happen or that they're real. I think the bigger barrier for many of us is that prayer is something that we don't quite feel like we have a handle on. It's one of those things like flossing or exercising that we know is good for us, but we have a hard time following through on. So have you ever gone to the dentist and the hygienist asks you the question every time, have you been flossing? And you have to pause for a moment, like, okay, how am I going to answer this? You're like, I can't outright, outright lie, but, you know, like, how could I phrase this in the right way to say, you know, like, well, I've been doing my best, 
or I've been flossing as much as last time, or trying to figure out a way to finesse the answer a little bit. I think prayer can be just like that. It's something we know we should do, and it's something that we want to do, but it's so hard to be consistent and to actually make it a part of our life. So why is that? Well, I think there's a number of reasons. For some of us, we just don't know how to pray. Like we were taught how to pray children's prayers, maybe dinner table prayers, but we've never really figured out how to pray as an adult. For others, we're just too busy, you know, because prayer takes time and energy and focus. And so we start out with good intentions, but prayer just falls way down the list. And for others of us, deep down, we doubt that it actually works. Maybe you remember a time that you prayed hard and you prayed consistently and it didn't really seem to make much of a difference. And to be completely honest with you, I struggle with all of these things. I wonder sometimes, am I using the right words? Or I'll think, okay, I'm going to consistently pray before I go to bed and next thing I know, I'm out cold. Or it's easy to get discouraged sometimes when it seems like a specific prayer that I'm praying again and again doesn't make much of a difference. But here's why beginning with prayer is so important. Prayer opens us up to God and his leading of the Holy Spirit. Prayer helps us focus our minds and helps us recognize his promptings in our life. Prayer helps us deeper our connection and our relationship with God. It it transforms our heart so that it's closer to his heart. And prayer helps us discover the people that God is specifically calling us to bless in our everyday lives. Instead of focusing so much on the wording or the structure, instead it's about a relationship, a real connection with our Father who loves us. So where do we begin with prayer? As we seek to follow Jesus and to bless the people around us, well, I want to give you what I call the four P's. Four P's to keeping prayer at the forefront of your everyday life. So the first P is this word, plan. To begin with, prayer takes a plan. We plan for things that are important to us, don't we? We put things on our calendar that we want to get done or that we want to achieve. We need to be intentional about prayer like we are the other things in our life. It might mean that you actually need to schedule it, that you actually need to write it in on your calendar. Maybe you need to set a reminder on your phone or carve out a little extra time in the morning. Whatever works best for you. But if you want to make prayer a foundational part of your life, you have to have a plan. The second P is prepare. As we pray, pray specifically to ask God to prepare you for whatever or wherever he calls you. We need to prepare our hearts for the adventure that he has in store for us. Ask God to give you the eyes you need to see the needs around you, the people that he's calling you to reach. Ask him to make it clear what doors are open and what doors aren't because we never need to force the door open. 
No, God will do that over time. Ask him to give you divine appointments with people you name or even people you don't name. Number three, place. We can start to think about the places that we're going to be in a given day. Even start to visualize, you know, you're going to be in the office, you're going to be in the classroom, you're going to be at this other place in the community. But be thinking about those places and ask God to make you sensitive to your surroundings, to see the people around that maybe just need to be listened to or need an encouraging word or someone that needs a blessing. And then number four, it's people. Ask God to show you specifically how you can be a blessing to people. My encouragement to every one of us is that we would have a list of two, three, four people that we are consistently praying for, especially people we know that are far from God. Now, for some of you, that might be your neighbors. Others, it's your coworkers or your classmates, maybe a friend or a family member. But who are those people that you are consistently lifting up in prayer? And I love what Dave Ferguson says. He says, remember that when you pray for people, you are already blessing them. He said he once had a friend say to him, do you realize that there are people you come across every single day who have never once had someone pray for them by name? Just praying for someone is an incredible blessing. Lift people up in prayer by name. Pray for their health. Pray for their marriage or their relationships. Pray for their emotional well-being. Pray for their careers. Pray for their finances. And pray for their spiritual health. Church, what if every single one of us would recognize our God-given mission to bless others? And then what if each day we would begin with prayer and then we would simply follow Jesus as he changes one life at a time. And then imagine if we would come back here each week and we'd share stories with each other of what we've seen God do, of the opportunities that we've had to bless others. But in order to have those stories, in order to see the testimonies, We need to start with prayer. So I want to invite you as we close out our time together to join me in a prayer time. And I'm going to give you some space in this time of prayer where you can just talk to God. And remember, it's not about having the right words. There's no structure you need to use. No, it's about our hearts. So let's bow our heads and let's pray together. God, we're so thankful that you've invited us to be a part of your mission, that you've chosen us to be on your team, that you want to bless the world through us. Help us to model our lives after the life of Jesus, to not treat people like projects or products, but instead as your beloved children that you want to bless. And so God, we pray to you today that you would help us make prayer a priority. And in this moment, I want to invite you to just have some words with God in your heart about the plan that you want to have going forward to spend time with him in prayer.
And then God, as we practice prayer each day, we ask that you would prepare our hearts, prepare us for the mission that you're calling us to. Prepare us for whatever you're gonna call us to do, whatever you're gonna call us to say, however you wanna bless the people around us. And so right now, I want you to spend a little time with God in your heart, just thinking through some of the places that you know you're gonna be this week, whether it's the office or the classroom, maybe it's your own home, maybe it's your neighborhood. Just lift up the places that you're gonna be. And God, you already know all these places that we are gonna be. Sometimes places that we can rest and relax, maybe places that we're running quickly through. But God, wherever we're gonna be, help us to be sensitive to our surroundings and lead us to the places where we can have the greatest blessing. Help us to have the eyes to see the people that you're calling us to have an impact on. And then finally, take a a moment with God in your heart to just list off some names. Who are the people in your life that need Jesus? Who are the people in your life that you are called to bless? Who are those people that you're consistently praying for to come to know Jesus in a saving relationship? We know God hears all of these hundreds and hundreds of names that have been lifted up. And not only that, we, knew, we know that every one of them was created in his image. Every one of them is beloved by God. And so help us, God, to remember that these are people. They're not just projects or numbers. Give us the opportunity at the right time. Open up the doors so that we can be a blessing to them. Help us to focus on that. Help us to focus on the blessing and then let you change their hearts. And so God, I just pray that you would remind us again and again that we are a vital part of your mission, that we are part of what you wanna do in this world. And so God, give us the courage, give us the strength, send your Holy Spirit to fill us up with your confidence, with your power, And we just trust that you're going to lead us in the right way. You're going to give us the right words as we bless others in your name. And so we lift all this up in Jesus' name. And let's all say together, amen.